Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where Here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Fantasy Baseball Today, presented by Express. Express confidence, Express you, Express is all new and all about you with a fresh mix of casual, versatile, and super comfortable styles. More on their great selection later on in the podcast. But if you're wondering where I got this amazing polo shirt with all these awesome flowers on it, it was Express. Frank Stample joined by the returning Scotty Dubs, Scott White. Now, I know I, you don't like when I do this, Scott, but I genuinely am interested how your vacation was. It was fine. It was fine. I, I wish I had slept more. Sleeping is not fun, and so I tend to put it off. Uh, you know, I usually don't have a lot of opportunity to do it in the first place. Well, you know, you think vacation, I'm going to rest up. You have big, big plans to do that, and, and then you don't because it's like, I don't want to go to bed yet. And, uh, yeah, that's where I am. I wish I had slept more. I wish I had spent more of my life sleeping, Frank. That's what everybody says on their deathbed, right? Do they? I don't know. I haven't, <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> this is a very morbid start to the podcast, but uh, I guess if you weren't sleeping, that means you were partying, right? You had to be doing something, Scott. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I tweeted out <laughs> earlier today. I played five... <laughs> I played uh, five rounds of the Sega Genesis version of Clue on my vacation. I think I think all five were me putting off sleep. So <laughs> that's that's what I was doing. That was worth it. Interesting. So you played Clue for Sega Genesis. I grew up uh-huh. playing it on the Super Nintendo. They're al- almost identical. Almost. It was super fun growing up. I love the game. Yeah, it was. I I I was. I had fond memories of it, and so I, I went to play it again, and I kept playing it because it was pretty fun. Yeah. Have you ever seen not the movie? Not just me. Not just me. It wasn't... Okay, so two of the games were solo. Two of the five games were <laughs> solo. <laughs> but the other three, I played with other people, believe it or not. How, oh, people in your house? I'm like, wait, there's yeah. no way you can connect <laughs> no. a Sega Genesis <laughs> no. online and play with people. No. Have you ever seen the movie with Tim Curry? I yeah I have I just actually a few months ago I saw it awesome I, look at that a I movie live up to my expectations but <laughs> well what what expectations did I have it wasn't great right it was okay it was fun it was a fun movie yeah look at that a movie that we both seen Scott it doesn't happen very often here on the podcast did you watch any of the All Star game yeah sure but you didn't watch any of the home run derby not for you I I watched a little bit of both all right honestly I like the home run derby more. Then the all-star game, my favorite part of the all-star game for some reason is the player introductions. It's always been this way. This is the part I don't want to miss. I don't know why. I I don't know what appealing is appealing to me about have a a player hearing his name called and then waving at the camera. Like what, what's the big deal? But for some reason, for some reason I get a thrill out of that. So that's my favorite part. And the game itself is always like, whatever. Well, the American League takes it down. They win 5-2, to two, and I'm 100% going to steal this stat from you, Scott, because we were talking beforehand. Eighth win in a row for the American League. They've won 20 of the past 24 All-Star games. So take that, Scott. My Yankees beating up on your Braves. 
I well, yeah, I looked it up because I was like, the AL always wins. And you said, is that true? And I was like, I don't know. Sure feels like it. And sure enough, 20 of the past 24. NL dominated in the 70s. FWIW. But that was before my time. Uh, well, there's not really much that we could take away from the All-Star game anyway. But we will give you some of the biggest highlights. Vlad Jr., Vladito, you might hear his name a a little bit later on in the podcast, because by the way, we're doing our first half all breakout team. We'll talk about some of those players, how sustainable we think that breakout might be in the second half. We've got some of your questions coming up later on as well. Fantasy baseball at CBSI.com is the email for that. And Vladito just crushes a moon rocket off of Corbin Burns. Looked like one of the home runs I saw in the home run derby yesterday, and he just actually did it off of a major league pitcher. So thought that was interesting. And by the way, something else I thought was interesting. We have a our panel roundtable article that comes out normally every week on a Monday. I think it's coming out tomorrow. Dan Schneier puts it together for us. We were all asked, who is the player that we're worried most about in the second half of the season? And a little sneak peek, Scott, I saw that yours is Corbin Burns. Mr. Burns. Yes, I am. Yes, indeedy. What were his spin rates in the All-Star game? Somebody look into that for me because they've been down. They've been down since the start of June, really second start of June, uh, you know, since obviously since they started the crackdown on the foreign substances, his spin rates have been noticeably down. But unlike some pitchers whose spin rates have been down, the results have been down as well. His swinging strike rate going from 19% in his first 10 starts to 12% in his last five. Big difference. K per nine going from like 14 to 10 and the walk rate's risen too. So, and on top of it, he hasn't really taken on a start a starting pitcher's workload since 2017 because he's been used so much in relief since then. And obviously, last year was what it was. So, a lot of reasons to worry about Corbin Burns. Methinks. By the way, baseball savant actually does track spin rates during the All Star game, and surprisingly, there were no issues with Corbin Burns in this hmm. one. So, interestingly maybe, enough, maybe you didn't think the umpires were gonna. <laughs> gonna check. They probably. I, I, I wasn't <laughs> watching. Probably won it, right? Like, I wasn't watching it? the game all that closely, but you're right. Maybe, maybe they weren't checking that. So that's that would that would put a damper on what's supposed to be a celebration of baseball. So I think yeah, there, right. there may have been there may have been some calculation calculations that, taking place there. I don't know. Imagine being the starting pitcher that gets suspended for ten games because you got caught with foreign substances in an All Star game. That would be a. Uh, Pretty embarrassing. By the way, Corbin Burns' teammate, Freddie Peralta, looked awesome. He struck out the side. That included Adolis Garcia, J.D. Martinez, and Matt Olson. Adolis Garcia, you know, I don't have enough time to watch every Rangers game very in-depth, but he turned a single into a double, and he is just a physical freak, so I thought I would point that out. Uh, and then J.T. Real Muto also hit a home run, so we can use some of that power in the second half for Real, Real Muto, who only has eight home runs at the break, which is kind of surprising. We want to welcome a new podcast to the CBS Sports family just in time for the Tokyo Olympics. Attacking Third will cover the U.S. women's national team as they aim to capture gold as well as the NWSL at least three times a week, making it the most comprehensive podcast in the space. Join hosts Sandra Herrera and Lisa Roman as they bring you match previews, recaps, exclusive player interviews, and more. Download and follow Attacking Third wherever you listen to this podcast. And as always, just a reminder that 
you can watch all of our fantasy baseball podcasts on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash fantasy baseball today. That includes every podcast that we do in season is also a live stream. If you ever want to come out and hang out and watch us live, interact with some of the people in the chat, feel free to do so. But all of our fantasy baseball today in five podcasts also go onto the YouTube channel. So make sure to subscribe, hit that big old red button, which is like, I don't know, somewhere down there, down over there. I think where I'm pointing, hit that subscribe button, tap the little notification bell. You will get notified every time we go live or drop another video. News and notes mentioned, not really much going on, but the Yankees general manager, Brian Cashman said he doesn't expect Corey Kluber to return from his shoulder injury until September. Pretty obvious there. Uh, Brian Anderson's injured shoulder, injured left shoulder has responded well to baseball activities, but the Marlins have yet to set a date for him to begin a rehab assignment. According to John Heyman, the Mets and the Phillies will be in attendance at Cole Hamels' free agent showcase on Friday. Other reports indicate that the Yankees and Red Sox will be there as well. Scott, in the deepest of leagues, are you monitoring Cole Hamels at all? <laughs> well, the deepest of leagues? I mean, how we, deep you want to go? We're pl- we play in a 24-team dynasty league together. I guess yeah. I should go check and see if he's available right now. Maybe. I mean... I don't know how quickly they could actually get him on a mound, even if they signed him. And of course, I don't expect him to be good enough for like a standard 12 team league. Sure. It, regardless. Um, but I don't know. When, how early do you think they could get him in there? Mid August or something? Yeah, that, that could, that seems all right. That seems plausible. I mean, look, he, he made one start in 2020. Cole Hamels did. And obviously he was shut down after that. He's, Dealt with some injuries the past couple of years, but back in 2019, 3.81 ERA, more strikeouts and innings pitched, so I don't think he's going to be great or anything, but in the deepest of leagues, Cole Hamels, he's having a showcase. Commissioner Rob Manford told reporters that the runner on second extra innings rule and seven inning doubleheaders are, quote, much less likely to be a part of our permanent landscape. Of course, there is a new CBA that needs to be discussed and decided on this upcoming offseason, which... Should be should make for a ton of fun, fun reporting and things to talk about, right? Between uh, the MLB and the MLBPA, so that'll be interesting. What do you yeah. think? I like this is kind of a take, I guess, but I don't really mind. I don't really mind the the runner on second, extra inning rules, seven inning double headers. Like I'm sure you know, baseball purists are probably yelling at me right now, throwing their phone across the room, but. <laughs> I don't like anything to speed up the game. I don't I don't have an issue with it. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't mind either. Uh, my preference is not to have them to go back to the way things were, but it's not I I, I, there, I don't I don't have a lot of emotion to expend on either outcome, to be honest. It's I uh, you know, extra inning baseball. See, you know, this is this is my theory is, you know, you, you hear beat writer types like complain about extra inning baseball, complain about double headers. I think it's just because they want to go home. You know, sure. They don't want to be at work all day. And who can blame them? You know, who can blame them? But extra inning baseball is obviously the best baseball. Obviously. It's free. So it's free baseball. No, well, it's 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 free and it's as close as you get to sudden death in baseball uh, over and over again, every inning. I mean, especially in the postseason. Not that not that they were ever going to do the runner on second rule in the postseason, but especially. Uh, so I, I don't know why you would want to dampen that. Uh, and, and then obviously, you know, 
we saw with Madison Bumgarner earlier earlier this year, if, if seven innings of no-hit baseball and a doubleheader isn't a no-hitter, then why isn't it an official game? It's just there's kind of a there's kind of a failure of logic there. So um, you know, and it's not it's not little league. It should be nine innings. So I, yeah, I I prefer going back to the way things were, but at the same time, I wasn't somebody who was really getting worked up about, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. This is, they're tainting the game or whatever. Oh my goodness gracious. Exactly. I haven't played it in a while, so I needed any reason to play it. Obviously we do have some prospect updates. Marlon's starting pitcher prospect. Edward Cabrera was promoted to triple a in seven starts between a ball and double a this season. He had a 2.25 ERA, 0.91 whip, 44 strikeouts to just six walks over 32 innings pitched. Edward Cabrera is 11% rostered. I think he's a name to watch at least for now, Scott. Throw him on the scout team. And honestly, if you play in NL only, he's someone I might just add now and see where it goes. Yeah, I think he'll be up. I mean, obviously, he's saved a lot of innings already, missing time with injury, and he's just mowing minor league hitters down. Is Edward Cabrera and the... The Marlins, they already have a, a place they could slot him, and and I imagine, you know, as I, I'm kind of worried about like Trevor Rogers in the second half because he hasn't missed a turn in the rotation yet. They haven't really been preserving his innings along the way, so I I don't know why the Marlins being an out of, out of contention club when it just shut him down at some point, and you know that that could happen with other pitchers that are currently in the rotation as well. So I think there's a good chance we see Edward Cabrera this year, and he could be. It could be an asset to your fantasy team. After just seven games, the Yankees promoted Jason Dominguez from the Florida Complex League to low A Tampa on Tuesday. Seemed a little bit aggressive to me. He'll be one of the league's youngest players there. I actually hit up Chris Welsh, a.k.a. the Welsh, our buddy, and I asked him what he thought about it. And he said it's slightly aggressive, but makes sense with all of the MLB draftees coming in. They want to get those guys into the Florida Complex League, so on and so forth. So Jason Dominguez getting promoted. And Scott, your boy, Anthony Volpe, Yankee shortstop prospect, was promoted to high A. Still only 20 years old, and he's he was crushing it at low A ball. So anything you'd like to add, Jason Dominguez and, and Volpe? Yeah, uh, Dominguez got 20 at-bats. At the rookie level, got four hits, all of them singles. I don't know if you said that. I did not. But, I, I, you know, it's not like he was... His hit, that was the first we've seen of him in minor league baseball, even though I feel like he's been in the Yankees system for five years. <laughs> uh, so he didn't really do anything to justify the promotion. But, you know, obviously uh, obviously, it's st- still a huge dynasty asset, especially if they're, they're going to move him quickly, potentially. All right. all right, let's get into the all breakout team in the first half. We're basically just going to run through each position. I guess for outfield and starting pitcher, we'll give you more than one. But like we did yesterday with the all-bus team, we will start off with catcher. Where would you like to start, Scott? Yeah, so um, there are some positions on this all-breakout team where you've got way too many candidates and some where you have basically none. And catcher is one of those where you really have to stretch to find somebody who qualifies as a breakout. I decided for my all-breakout team... And, you know, this isn't necessarily the best player I could have gone with, but I thought the one who is good and meets the best meets the definition of a breakout. I, I went with Max Stassi, which is kind of a kind of a recent development. Obviously, he's he's spent a lot of time on the IL this year with a couple of different injuries, but since coming back, 
has emerged as a must-star catcher in fantasy. And it really picked up where he left off last year. He had an 886 OPS last year, but it was only in 31 of the 60 games played by the Angels. This year, it's 38. Uh, he's batting 296 with an 873 OPS. And the expected stats look, you know, they're not they're not far below that. He's he is producing like he should be for the the quality of contact he's been making so far, and that big dates back to last year as well. So I considered Tyler Stevenson of the Reds, especially like his on base skills, but not as useful in fantasy because he his playing time is kind of sporadic. So Max Stassi's my choice here. Tyler Stevenson, by the way, if you ever hold up a picture side-by-side side of him and Aaron Judge, they look very, very similar. Mm. Um, but I do think that, I don't know if they're ever going to get rid of Tucker Barnhart because they like him in that organization, but if they ever did, Tyler Stevenson could be a legitimate breakout candidate in the next couple of seasons. So Scotty's going with Max Stassi, who I love, by the way, you brought up the underlying numbers. They look great across the board. He is crushing the ball this season, 54 0.5% hard hit rate, according to StatCast, is actually up 13 percentage points from last year. And I agree, this is not a great position, but somebody that I did not know their name coming into the season was Eric Haas, who actually has performed pretty well for the Detroit Tigers. And he actually helps you out a little bit more because he gets some games in the outfield as well. I think he's played like 12 or 13 games in the outfield this year. So at, uh, he adds to his plate appearance total, his volume by getting those games in the outfield. He's batting 244, 13 home runs in 44 games. His 830 OPS ranks sixth among catchers with at least 38 games played. His plate discipline is quite bad, but he is hitting the ball very hard this season. He's 52% rostered, Max Stassi 48% rostered. If you need a catcher, if you lost Yasmani Grandal, or you've been without Buster Posey recently because he went on the IL. I do still prefer Max Sassy over Eric Haas. Yeah, me too. Uh, part of my thinking with uh, this all breakouts team was, do I buy the breakout as legitimate? And in Haas's case, uh, you know, a 28-year-old who's basically spent his whole career in the minor leagues, hit a lot of home runs there. And I, and I don't mind playing him at a position as weak as catcher when he when he is delivering. But I, I, think, I think he could be just a flash in the pan. And I feel better about Stassi uh, maintaining. For sure. I'm with you on that one. I will just point out first for Eric Haas, he's got a 492 X slug this year. So it is lower than where his slugging percentage is right now, but that's actually a pretty good mark, especially for a catcher there. Doesn't need to be rostered in one catcher leagues, Eric Haas, but if you picked him up in any two catcher leagues, he's been pretty formidable. And I just wanted to give a shout out to Salvador Perez. I mean, he kind of broke out last year, but he is the number one catcher in both formats, and it's not particularly close. 126 games since the start of 2020 for Salvador Perez. 293 batting average, 32 homers, 85 RBI, and 857 OPS. So Salvador Perez has been amazing. First base, Scott. Who you got? So this was an easy one. Yeah, I think it's a little too easy. (laughs) Too easy. Too easy. Vladdy Daddy. Actually, Vladdy Jr. Vlad Guerrero. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Yeah. I I don't even know what else I need to say. (laughs) There's not much. (laughs) He was was a top five pick now. We we all hoped he could get to that point at some point in his career, and it's turned out that 2021 was that point. And in fact... He is having the best year of anyone named Vladimir Guerrero, right? Which is really saying something because his dad is in the Hall of Fame, won a league MVP, 
Yeah. And pretty much was a ridiculous hitter from the day he set foot in the big leagues, hitting well over 300 with over 30 home runs every year. But you know, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. might top that this year. He hit that home run off of Corbin Burns, 110 miles per hour off the bat, 468 feet in the All-Star game. There is nothing, by the way, in the underlying numbers that say Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going to slow down in the second half. So he's batting 332, 28 homers, 1089 OPS. He's the number one first baseman in both formats. The third overall player in Roto, despite just two stolen bases this season. And what we needed to see was the launch angle climb. And while it's still lower than other power hitters, it is much higher than where it's been at in years past. So I looked into his monthly batted ball data. His ground ball rate has been 42% or lower in three of four months. So that is just, that's been a huge driving force for Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s breakout. And I also wanted to give a shout out to Jared Walsh, who had a, mm -hmm. an ADP around 220 coming into the season. And he's currently a top five first baseman in both formats. The 27th overall player in Roto, 278 batting average, 22 homers, 65 RBI. And I've mentioned recently that I think Jared Walsh is a sell high candidate because when you look since May, he has a 30% strikeout rate, 53% ground ball rate. Those are not great numbers, obviously, for a power hitter. But he still has an 872 OPS during that stretch. So maybe yeah. it's just whenever he puts the ball in the air, he absolutely crushes it, and he's going to be able to kind of maintain hitting it for as much power with this high of a ground ball rate. I would take the under on that, but <laughs> worth mentioning for sure. Uh, yeah, and yeah, I have questions about the sustainability with Walsh. But his strikeout rate is back down in July, so that's encouraging. Also, honorable mention to Matt Olson, who's For sure. cut his strikeout rate in half from a year ago. Not that it was so bad in previous years, but now it's a great strikeout rate, and yet the power hasn't suffered. So Matt Olson looks like a stud now. Yeah, and he's crushing lefties too, which is something he's never done before. On the season, he has a 977 OPS against lefties, Matt Olson does. 912 against righties. So he's just been amazing. It's a small sample. I hope he can keep it up. But yes, shout out to Matt Olson. Let's move on to second base. Scott, who are you going with here? So this is a tough one. This is a tough one because there are there are several candidates that you could make a case for. None of them I love. Uh, you know, I thought about Marcus Simeon, but you know, it was third place in AL MVP voting two years ago. So that's you know, that doesn't that doesn't seem like a true breakout. I kind of want to go with Jazz Chisholm here, but he's really slowed down since April and the strikeout rate is is awful. Uh, you know, the expected stats, they don't look so hot either. You know, power speed combo at either second base or shortstop. He's eligible at both. And you know, 23 years old, just starting his major league career. Uh, it was, it's, it's been, you know, regardless of what happens from today forward, it's a big, been a big step forward in his career. You know, I feel a lot more confident in Jazz Chisholm now as like a dynasty pick than I did coming into the year. But yeah, I don't, I, you know, it, it's another weak point on the all breakouts team for me. He has bounced back a little bit in the month of July, 263 batting average, two homers, 747 OPS. Strikeout rate is still 34%. It's only been 10 games, but nice to see him get back on track a little bit because you're right, since May, that calendar flipped. I do wonder if maybe the injury that he was dealing with has kind of hampered him because he was in the IL with a hamstring strain and came back around mid-May, and I, I think 
perhaps that's something that has affected him, but uh, he was playing out of his mind in April. Again, that is Jazz Chisholm, and I was going to go with Marcus Semien, but for the reasons that you mentioned, he basically broke out back in 2019. He's been awesome. There's no doubt, no doubt about it. Number one second baseman in both formats is Marcus Semien. I'm going to go with Drake, uh, Jake Cronenworth, who... His ADP coming into the season was 190.4. He's currently a top 10 second baseman in both formats. And if you drafted him, you got him at a value because we didn't know, A, if last year was legit, and B, what the playing time would look like. There was this huge discussion coming into the season. They signed Ha-Sung Kim. We didn't know if he was going to take away playing time from Jake Cronenworth. They had a few other players up the middle, um, Jerickson Profar, who they can move around a little bit. So we just didn't know. And if you took a chance, he's paid off. 276 batting average, 12 homers, 4 steals, 63 runs scored for Jake Cronenworth. And now he's consistently batting third for the Padres. So I think we're going to see that RBI number continue to climb since May 1st for Cronenworth. 282 batting average in 831 OPS. Are you buying it, Scott? Yeah, I'm buying it. it. It's not the splashiest numbers, which is why I didn't feel like he was a must for this team. It's it's a whole is greater than the sum of the parts kind of player, which I think generally pays off more in a points league than than Roto. The other guys I considered Adam Frazier, sure. who you know if he maintains a thirty percent line drive rate, a ten percent strikeout rate, you know probably gonna hit three hundred. Of course, he's hitting three thirty one right now, so you know still still room to decline even if he if he does maintain those the, the great line drive and strikeout rate. Also, Ryan McMahon uh, was somebody I considered. He had a brutal June. Right. He had a brutal June. He he has kept the strikeout rate. Well, actually, the strikeout rate exploded in June. But still, overall, lower strikeout rate this year, much lower ground ball rate than in past years. So you can understand why the production has improved. But this form of Ryan McMahon, I still think is kind of fringy in fantasy, certainly in like a 12-team league. So I wasn't that thrilled about putting him on this list either. Last point on Marcus Semien. He's batting 277, 22 homers, 10 steals. StatCast doesn't really trust what he's doing, Scott. Is this one of those situations where you just kind of look the other way when you pull up Marcus Semien's StatCast page? Or would you try and sell high? Yes. <laughs> yes, I... Depends how high I could sell, obviously. I, Marcus Simeon has basically produced like a second rounder so far. So if I could get another second round caliber player in return for him, I would. But if not, I don't know. The The stack has numbers have been way down all year and there hasn't been much slowdown in him. So it might be one of those situations where you're better looking, better off looking the other way. I, I'd rather not risk underselling him, I guess is my point. Yeah, because I don't think you're going to be able to get second-round value in return for him. And if that's the case, just hold on to him. I think Marcus Simeon's lineup context alone just makes him so valuable with all those Blue Jays hitters behind him. Marcus Simeon has been awesome this season. So has Express. We've talked about a bunch of their different styles all week long, last week as well. But maybe you just need something to wear for the summer, going out to the park to a cookout, a baseball game, whatever it is, head on over to Express. They offer four different kinds of shorts with their chinos, performance, drawstring, and denim shorts. Specifically for the drawstring shorts, they have this elastic waistband for all-day comfort, and I cannot recommend their polo shirts enough. This is what I'm wearing right now, one of their polo shirts. Floral print looks awesome. It's this super great material. Moisture wicking, which I brought up before, just 
It's great. Super comfortable. Uh, and maybe you're looking for a solid color, color shirt, but if not, again, they have these floral prints. They have ones with stripes, softest fabrics you'll ever feel, and the shirts just fit right to your body. We encourage all of our listeners to be on the lookout for great summer deals in stores and at express.com. Express confidence. Express you. Third base, Scott. This was kind of a tough one for me. Where are you going? It was kind of a tough one. Actually, in, in a way, it was kind of an easy one because I felt like there was really only one choice. Mm, interesting. And it's it's not, you know, a Vladimir Guerrero level choice, but, you know, it's pretty good. Austin Riley. Austin hey! Riley is my pick. We got the same one. Yeah, breakout third baseman. And not, it's not looking like as big of a breakout as it did in May. Remember, he had a huge month of May. Um, and, you know, it's been mon- modest production since then. But overall, the strikeout rate, 25%. That's solid. He can live with that. Uh, the expected stats basically match up with the actual stats. And the production has been solid. Solid power hitter who doesn't hurt you in batting average. You know, still early in his career. Still a chance he gets better from here. But I think he's taken enough of a step forward this year that he'll 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 probably be drafted as a starter at the position next year. I think that's fair. He's currently a top 12 third baseman in both formats. Austin Riley is. He was drafted as the 31st third baseman off the board, according to Fantasy Pros ADP. And I actually wrote him up as a breakout coming into the season. I didn't draft yep. enough of him because I I don't know why. I just I, I wish I did, but He's been great. 276 batting average, 14 home runs, and 826 OPS for Austin Riley. You bring up that May that he had, which was amazing. June, not so much. But if you look at his OPS by month, it's really just been June. 850 back in April. OPS over 1,000 in May. 643 in June. Now 10 games into July. And 844 OPS again for Austin Riley. So has bounced back. And I like to see that from a young player. The fact that he dealt with some adversity in May and, and yeah. still found a way to Yeah, and, and I was a little worried about the climbing strikeout rate in, in May as, as productive as he was, but that came back down again in June. And so I, I think there's there's some positives in, uh, among the negatives for that, uh, for that month there. And I like that you mentioned, I think we both had Austin Riley as a breakout coming into the year. So, so far, that's the first breakout I've called here on my all-breakout team. So nice. another reason why. Going to leave Austin Riley off. <laughs> Very nice there. Yeah, I love the um, the walk rate, by the way, too, in July. 16% overall, the, the walk rate has been up this year for Austin Riley. We're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we're going to hit the shortstop position on our all-breakout team next on Fantasy Baseball Today. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. So at shortstop, Scotty, where are you going? This is another hard one. I'm picking a 34-year-old. I'm picking Brandon Crawford. <laughs> Let's as go! Shortstop. Yeah, you got, got him too? the same too? one. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I've been waiting for him to drop off, and it, it just it's not happening. In fact, I was amazed to see how much his batting average has climbed. It's up over 290 now. And yeah, he continues to produce. Like, it's you don't see many 
shortstops, like perennial all-star shortstops, sustain, sustain into their 30s. So to see one put up a career season at 34, I mean, just by that measure alone, you think it's illegitimate, but he's elevating the ball a lot better than he ever has before this year. And I actually read a piece from Eno Saris and uh, Britt Giroli of, um, of The Athletic. They talked to some of the all-stars about about kind of the defining moment in the career that that got them to this point with the adjustment they made that that allowed them to take the leap in, in, into becoming an all-star. And Brandon Crawford talked about how this year, you know, he he worked with a, a new hitting coach that that got him to to put the ball in the air more. And obviously we're seeing the results and it's not just happenstance. I don't know if he can sustain quite this level of production all year. It's actually a 289 batting average, not quite over 290 with 18 home runs here at the halfway point. I think his career high in home runs is 23, I believe. 21. 21. Okay. So definitely going to have a career high this year uh, for Brandon Crawford. Is he going to reach 30? I don't know. But at this point, if he's my starter at shortstop, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not looking too hard to replace him. It's insane what he's done. He's the sixth best shortstop in Roto this year. He has seven steals, too. Like, where has this come from? 289, 18 homers, seven steals. He's the 26th overall player in Roto Leagues this year, so shout out to the Giants, man. They currently have the best record in baseball. Reclamation projects all over the place. Kevin Gosman, a name that you're going to hear a little bit later on as well, I'm sure. And Brandon Crawford. Two of the biggest breakout players this season in fantasy baseball. And you're right, Scott, lifting the ball more this year. 45% fly ball rate represents a career high. He is 92nd percentile or better in barrel rate and expected slugging percentage. So it's just been a phenomenal season for Brandon if, Crawford. If there is an honorable mention at this position, it, it could have been in several different positions. It's Chris Taylor, who kind of like Jake Cronenworth is a whole is greater than the sum of the parts guy. Uh, so yeah, just wanted to give a shout out to Chris Taylor, an all-star Yeah, for what it's worth. I want to give a shout out to Bo Bichette too, just because like he's broken out before. Sure. Like we thought he was going to be awesome, but he's currently the eighth best player in Roto and the number three shortstop in both formats. So he has been ridiculous. All right, Scott, the outfield, no shortage here. You can throw as many players my way as you possibly want. So I intentionally, are we doing DH? Are we filling a DH spot? I didn't plan on it, but... Because I intentionally left a certain outfield-eligible player out. We could just so say who it is. another outfielder. It's Shohei Otani. Like, he's the breakout <laughs> for both of our utility-only spots, whatever it is, but... Uh, yeah, obviously. Obviously. And one I called for, for, for what it's worth. I so moved him me. up to my number one outfielder in both formats, Scott, with Ronald Acuna going down. Yeah, understandable. I think... I think I'd keep Juan Soto ahead, especially in points leagues with the great plate discipline. But understandable, Otani's probably two if he's not one for me. Yeah, it's just amazing to think he was going outside of the top 130 even late in draft prep season. And it was really just, I mean, once I heard Joe Madden say, you know, we're going we're gonna to do away with the past rules. Otani might be in the lineup the day before he pitches, the day after he pitches, maybe even the day he pitches. And I said, okay, well, if you're, if you're taking off those restrictions to whatever extent you are, this this could be pretty amazing, especially the kind of spring he was having, remember? So I'm glad I invested in him. And, and it turns out Otani's played even more than I thought he was going to. My outfield, though, guys who are eligible in outfield, 
everywhere, all leagues, all 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 uh, fantasy baseball services. Nick Castellanos, another one on my preseason breakout list. Me too. Jesse Winker, who I've loved in the past, but can't take credit for it this year. And Cedric Mullins. Those are the three. The three big ones who can't be left out. All three started the All-Star game, right? Mullins ended up starting? Yes, in center field. Yeah. Yeah, so Castellanos, Winker, Mullins. Those are the guys. Any concern, because I know Winker has slowed down. So I'm pulling up his, actually, he still hit 283 in June. I thought he was, I thought it was much lower than that with a 918 OPS. All right, well, I guess it's just been a bad however many games he's played in July, which is obviously a super small sample size. So it's 10 games, 10 games in July for Jesse Winker. He's batting 143 with a 401 OPS, but it's not enough games to actually be worried about anything there. So yeah, Jesse Winker, I believe two, three homer games this season, right, Scott? Which is an amazing accomplishment to do it once in your career, let alone twice in the same season. Yeah. Yeah. And let me check the splits too. Cause I, it was amazing to me how he, okay. So yeah, I mean, July, he's off to a rough start in July, but that April, May and June was so steady, the production. And, and that was an issue for him in the past. Like he'd, he'd have individual months as good as his April and May. And then it would just be a disaster the following month. And it's like, all right, who is this guy really? He was so two-faced and he'd get hurt a lot. And he'd sit against a lot of left-handers. And you're like, is this guy really worth the trouble? His splits against left-handers, by the way, are still pretty awful. 175 with a 515 OPS. But nonetheless, he is he is producing. He's in my top 10 outfielders rest of season. Um, and Cedric Mullins, Cedric Mullins is kind of like Marcus Simeon where he continues to outperform the expected stats by a considerable margin. But at this point with, so with no slowdown in his production, uh, I'm inclined to believe he he's, he's closer to face value than to what those expected stats say. And Cedric Mullins got moved away from switch hitting this off season. Now lefty only. And he's actually performing very well against lefties as a left-handed batter. 298 mm-hmm. batting average, 846 OPS. So I agree with you wholeheartedly on uh, comparing Cedric Mullins to Marcus Semien, where maybe he's going to regress just because it's like natural regression. I wouldn't expect him to hit 315 for the entirety of the season, but hits in a great ballpark at the top of the lineup. So there's volume. He's going to give you counting stats there. Goes to other great ballparks to hit in in the American League East. There's a lot to like with Cedric Mullins. He's just making a lot more solid contact than ever yep. before. His infield fly ball rate coming into this season was over 20% for his career, and this year it's right around 5%. So he's yep. just squaring the ball up much better than ever before. And those were the three that I had too, Scott. I, I did want to give a shout-out to Brian Reynolds, who yep. <laughs> one half of the, the Babbitt Bandits out there in Pittsburgh, who had an awful, awful season last year. 189 batting average, 632 OPS, but... Every level he's been at before last season, the dude just rakes. He rakes. Hit over 300 at every single level. He did so as a rookie back in 2019. Brian Reynolds is batting 302 this season. Seen an increase in power this year as well. 16 homers. Maybe that takes a little bit of a step back, but guy is ridiculous. So, Brian Reynolds. He is. And good for the Pirates. Two All-Stars. They would have imagined coming into the year. Two All-Stars and neither of them was Cabrian Hayes. Two all-star starters. Yeah. They started oh, the game, both of them. True, true. And uh, Reynolds, 
Uh, I wanted to put Reynolds in. It's just the other three were too obvious to really even consider somebody else. If if there was room to consider even another option, I, I think Adolis Garcia deserves deserves an honorable mention here. 100%. All right, starting pitcher, which is a lot like outfield, Scott. You could throw three my way, five my way, however many you want to talk about. <laughs> well, I picked five because I tried to fill out a typical head-to-head lineup here. Um, I picked five. Really hurt to leave off three others. So, <laughs> starting pitcher, there's a never a shortage of breakouts because it's a position with a lot of turnover. Uh, so the five I went with were Kevin Gossman, number one pitcher in points leagues this year. Zach Wheeler, who of course we valued plenty coming into the year and has uh, looked like a pretty stable option, but clearly has taken another step forward this year, kind of mid-career, even late career potentially breakout. Carlos Rodon, of course, of course. Corbin Burns, you know, I, I expressed my concerns about Corbin Burns' his sustainability at the top of the show, yet it's worth pointing out even during this, the five-start stretch where the swing strike rate is weighed down and the strikeout rate is down from 14, 14K per nine to 10K per nine. Okay, 10K per nine is still really good, and he has an ERA just over three during that stretch, so, you know, Corbin Burns deserves to be on here. And his teammate, Freddie Peralta, who I thought about sneaking in at relief pitcher, just to to give my to give me another starting pitcher here, but I, I wanted to leave relief pitcher for true relievers. So Freddie Peralta rounds out the five: Gosman, Wheeler, Rodon, Burns, and Peralta. Of course, there is a glaring omission: Trevor Rogers. Sure. Who? I mean, Rogers and Rodon—they feel like uh, we we need a nickname for that that duo because that was. Those were the guys, like the first run of waivers in every league. I tried to pick them up and and picked up both in in a couple leagues. And as you can imagine, those teams are doing pretty well. Yeah. Rodon and Rogers. Yeah. Um, And then Robbie Ray. For sure. Yeah. Robbie Ray was the one for me. I was like, I got to have Robbie Ray on here because what he's done. What else you got? uh, Yeah. So I originally, I had Gosman, Wheeler. I actually wanted to get Chris Bassett into this list yep. as well. So he's yep. been amazing. Uh, I had Corbin Burns and then I had Robbie Ray. So my omissions would have been Trevor Rogers and Freddie Peralta, but it's just so hard, right? I mean, limiting it to just five, those guys 100% deserve to be on this list as well. And then the one name we haven't mentioned yet, you say Kikuchi. For sure. Yeah. He's climbed, I believe inside of my top 30 starting pitchers. I've been pretty aggressive with moving him up. Now I will point out, his last start against the Yankees, velocity was down, I believe, across the board and significantly. It was like one to two miles per hour on all of his pitches. So definitely something I want to pay attention to early on in the second half of the season. I know he went on the COVID IL. I don't know if that had any effect on him. Maybe it was something, but yes, I have moved Kikuchi up to SP30. Yeah, right there. Pretty aggressive with him. Uh, Robbie Ray, just I can't say it enough, what he's done just throwing strikes at an all-time rate, something we've never seen from him, really trusting his stuff, pumping that fastball, mid-90s, velocity is up for him, wipeout slider. Dude has been awesome. And he wears super tight pants, so shout-out to Robbie Ray. Uh, and, and, and some people out there may be wondering why we don't have Kyle Gibson, Anthony Desclafani, maybe Taiwan Walker. Remember, I said sustainability was mm. a, a key factor for me here, and those three, I have doubts about their ability to sustain what they've done so far. Not not to say they're going to become irrelevant in fantasy, but I, I think they're all going to take a step back in the second half. 
Yeah, I would agree with that as well. But they were names that I, I saw as high as they ranked, and I was like, oh, they probably should be on this list. Last, last thing to promote here, we are finalists for the sports category of the People's Choice Podcast Awards. We appreciate all you guys do for us and hope you enjoy our show enough to nominate us to advance to the final round to nominate Fantasy Baseball today. Go to podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up and then toggle down the sports category. We've included the link at the top of the episode description as well. All right, Scott, relief pitcher. You mentioned you wanted to get some legitimate closers here. By the way, if you play in a points league, Freddie Peralta, who qualifies as a relief pitcher, is numero uno, the best relief pitcher in fantasy baseball. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. But I'm going with Matt Barnes, and I'm going with Ryan Presley. Oh, come on, Scott. No Alex, no Alex Reyes? No. 20, no, the, 20 the for 20? So high. 20 for the, 20 in, stolen, uh, in, in save opportunities? The whip is so high. The walk rate is so high. Um, he scares me. He kind of scares me. All right. It's gone better than I thought it would so far, but no. I mean, Matt Barnes and Ryan Presley have just been... They have been insane in every way a relief pitcher can be insane. And... Uh, Got to tell you, didn't see it coming for either, especially not Barnes. I mean, Ryan Presley, as a middle reliever, has put up numbers like this before, but he'd had some he'd had some health issues the past couple years, and of course, was pretty shaky as the closer last year. Kind of got on a roll late in the season, but the overall numbers three forty three ERA, one thirty three WHIP last year for the Astros. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know I didn't know that he could really stick in that role, but this year one forty two ERA, point seven nine WHIP. 11.4 K per nine. And uh, Matt Barnes, um, 261 ERA, 0.9 whip, 14.9 K per nine. Both were all-stars. Yeah, I think I think they're the big breakouts. I mean, how many true closers have held that job from the beginning of season to this point? And, and they've, they've, they haven't shared it. They, they've been solitary closers from opening day. These two guys who you could have gotten pretty late, very late in Barnes's case, because I remember there was some concern like the last week or two. I, I forget what it was. Maybe he got put on the COVID IL, I want to say. Yeah, uh, there was that. The, the season. They yeah. were kind of hinting he'd be the closer, but then that happened, and so everybody kind of backed off of Barnes and were going after like Adam Adovino. Remember that? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think the Adovino yeah. trade kind of put a little bit of doubt in some people's minds, and then you're right. I think it was COVID IL... Maybe as soon as the season started, something like that. It was, it was early on for sure. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, Matt Barnes is one of my breakouts here as well. He's got 19 saves on the season. Something that I think is interesting is people have kind of rumored the Red Sox being interested in Craig Kimbrell at the trade deadline. So what we're gonna do on tomorrow's podcast is we'll look a little bit into these trade deadline rumors and talk about who could potentially be moved and how it would affect fantasy. But that's. Definitely one that can happen. So we'll we'll talk about that a little bit more tomorrow. But Alex Reyes was the other breakout for me. Not going to argue with Ryan Presley. He's great. But uh, Alex Reyes for me, 20 for 20 in save opportunities. The whip is high for sure, 1.31. He has 32 walks in 41 in the third innings pitch, uh, but also has 54 strikeouts. So he is electric. We've been waiting a while to get anything out of Alex Reyes, and he's been amazing. Two honorable mentions for me. Jake McGee. 
Yes. who has reclaimed the role for the Giants after having some struggles late in April, turning that role over to Tyler Rogers for a while. But overall numbers look great. Uh, and then uh, the reliever that I, the guy I think is going to be the breakout reliever of the second half, now that he's finally secured the role for the Blue Jays, is Jordan Romano. I like it. I like it. Yeah, he's got the stuff, and he's kind of crazy on the mound too. If you just watch him pitch, he's like talking to himself. He's got like the big burly beard and everything going on there. The one I thought you were going to say there was Ranger Suarez because he's taken over the the closer's role, or at least we think, for the Philadelphia Phillies. So I guess they could go out and trade for someone, but he's looked really good for them. So hey, could, while we're on the subject, sneaky sleeper for saves in the second half. Yeah, Zach Britton. Zach, ooh. Zach Britton. All right. Yeah, I mean, the Yankees are trying to find any kind of stability in the back end of their bullpen. We saw what happened the final day of the first half. Chad Green came in. He gave up like six runs, three-run walk-off mm-hmm. homer to Jose Altuve. He's been mostly good this year, but he definitely did not look good in that appearance. And Aroldis Chapman, we've talked about a ton. So, all right, Zach yeah. Britton in some deeper leagues. He's expected back from the IL. And what made me think of it, actually, was Ranger Suarez. Kind of looks like Zach Britton in, like, in the weight and in what makes him good. Okay. You know, the extreme ground ball rate. So, yeah, made me think of Zach Brennan. Anyway. Right. We're going to wrap it, uh, wrap up with some emails here. Send some in if you want us to answer on tomorrow's podcast. We'll do a little bit of a mailbag as well with some of those trade deadline rumors. Again, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. And this one is from Nathan. Grade the trade. Traded away Ozzy Albies and Jeff McNeil for Mookie Betts and Michael Brantley. It is a 12 categories head-to-head Categories league. I approve. I give it a... I, th- I think it went both halves of that deal. So I give it a... A B... Uh, a minus. Yeah, I was thinking B plus, but it, I think it's a very strong... Very strong move. And especially if Mookie Betts gets back to being Mookie Betts, this could just be a monster slam dunk win for you there, Nathan. This one's from John. Could you guys do a deep dive into Cattell Marte for the second half of the year? Everything I see is that he is an elite bat, yet I have no clue why he <laughs> only hit two home runs in 45 games last year despite retaining his elite batted ball data. Was his 2019 a byproduct of the juice ball, or is he a legitimate slugger now? Also, how worried should we be about his recurring injuries? So, Cattell Marte is on the IL with a hamstring injury, and I believe it's the other hamstring that he injured earlier on in the season, so... He's been on the IL with both hamstrings to this point. Yeah, I I think that's right. Um, I I don't know that I agree with him having elite batted ball data last year. I mean, his ex-slug was only 375. Mm -hmm. He was playing through a wrist injury. I I think I solely believe that was the issue for Cattell Marte. I was wrong about him coming into the year. You know, I, I basically thought that, you know, maybe 2019 was only due to that juice ball, but you look at his stat cast data this year and he is just crushing the ball 341 xba 515 expected slugging percentage plate discipline looks good for Cattell Marte. 51 percent hard contact rate that is 11 percentage points higher than what he did back in 2019 so a little bit worried about the injuries the fact that he has hurt both hamstrings at this point so maybe we don't see yeah. him run as much when he gets back he only has one steal on the season but in terms of batting average with a little bit of pop i expect that from Cattell Marte. Yeah, how much pop I think is still in question because even this year, four home runs and 148 plate appearances. You mentioned the X slug versus the X 
batting average. That would make the, the X ISO, if there is such a thing, only about 170, which isn't bad, but certainly not near what he did in 2019. So, I, yeah, I don't... He's definitely better than 2020. He's probably worse than 2019, though. Yes, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Because, yeah. look, he had 32 home runs in 2019. Let's just say if I was projecting his second half pace over the course of a full season, I would expect something like 22 to 25 home runs from Cattell Marte. Now, that's not all the second half, but if we were just projecting it. so I The ground know. ball rate is way up this year, too, which is part of the reason why that home run rate is so low. And, and the fly ball rate, the lowest of his career, only 21.7. Yeah, That's according to fan graphs. Yeah, something I've noticed as well. So that, that could hamper his power production. But if nothing else, I expect a really good batting average from Cattell Marte and... Speaking of trade deadline, maybe he's someone who's on the move as well. We shall see. This one's from Cole to Ken, Edgar, and Jay. Sounds like the middle of the Mariners lineup. That's Mid-90s. Right. I actually own a Ken Griffey Jr. jersey. One of my favorites mm. growing up. Him and Vlad Sr., those were, those were my guys. Which is kind of weird because Yankee fan, supposed to love Derek Jeter. I like Derek Jeter, but... He was never my favorite. I actually preferred Mariano Rivera over Derek Jeter, but okay. Co- sure. Conversation for another day, I guess. When we <laughs> we have our Yankee CVS podcast, Scott, you and me. I don't know that that's ever going to happen. I hope not. I'm in a deep hitting <laughs> league. <laughs> it's a 12 team, eight by eight, head to head category keeper league. I got an offer to trade away my Lance Lynn for George Springer, a 25th round pick for next season, and forty dollars of Fab money. I currently only have ten dollars left. We started out with 100 so this would get him back to $50, which is quite a bit at this point in the season. I have pretty solid pitching with Jacob deGrom and Garrett Cole. I also have John Means and Chris Sale to come off the aisle pretty soon. I guess the main thing I need to know is, do you all think George Springer is likely to bounce back in the second half of the season? Lynn for Springer, 25th round pick, $40 a fat. I think he is likely to bounce back. I still don't know if I want to do it. <laughs> head to head category head to head categories, by the way. I know. I wish I knew what the outfielders were. Uh, and he does mention there are zero dollar bids in his league. So, you know, having only ten dollars left isn't as big of a deal. I kind of wonder if it's weekly fab run or daily. That makes a difference too. Weekly, you're obviously having to compete for players harder and you need more dollars for that. Uh, if it's daily waiver run. Daily Fab run with with $0 bids allowed, you know, having $10 left at this point in the season doesn't really seem like a big deal. I'd still rather have Lynn, but it's it, it's a fair trade. That's that's where I stand though. Yeah, I think I'm with you. It's a fair deal. George Springer, I haven't really looked into him. I don't have him on any of my teams, but 216 XBA 451 X slug. Yeah. Just came back from the injury recently, so probably still getting his legs underneath him. And, and you know, as much as you can know these things, you know Lynn's going to be a rock in, in what could sure. be a rocky second half for pitching. Yeah. As the, as, as, as maybe the, um, you know, the effect of the crackdown on the foreign substances, uh, maybe it amplifies, but, but really more than anything, just you got to wonder about the workloads for most every pitcher. Lynn wouldn't be one of them. Yeah. Lynn might be exhibit A for the pitcher you don't worry about workload. I think, unless you're super desperate for outfield help, I don't think I would do it. So, I think we're on the same page there, Scott. 
Yep. All right. The all breakout team for the first half. Hopefully those guys can keep it up here in the second half of the season. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework.